progress. Okay, so we're up to the Mishnah on Daf Kuf Yud Zayin Amid Beis. The Mishnah on the bottom. So the Mishnah says like this: Achas and Meres Meis. You have two co-wives that are both testifying. One says that the husband died, and one says the husband's not dead. So you have conflicting reports between these two co-wives. So what's the halacha? It's a, it's a strange halacha. You'd think, listen, if one of them says he's not dead and we believe her, then automatically that means the other co-wife is saying an incorrect statement, right? Yeah. Someone's got to be right, someone's, someone's got to be wrong. wrong. But we said in yesterday's Mishnah, we don't accept the testimony of co-wives. So therefore, what we do is we isolate each one. The one who said that he died can remarry. So she can take the ksuba. And the one that says that the one that says that uh, that he's not dead. Um, so you have a strange psak, and that is that it really depends on it depends on who, who's testifying. The one who testifies that he's dead. She could uh, she could remarry the one that testifies that he's not dead cannot remarry. It's, it's a strange thing, but again, it makes sense based on what we said yesterday that we don't accept the testimony of co-wives because we assume they're trying to on the other one, each one on their own. We accept a woman's testimony, but we don't accept co-wives about each other. So each one on its own we accept. Therefore, this one says that he's dead. She could remarry. This one, she's not dead. She can't remarry. That, that's the halach. It's a strange concept. But that's the halach. Now. That's the shita of the Tanakama, because the Tanakama follows the view of the Mishnah yesterday that co-wives are not allowed to testify about each other. Rav Meir disagrees. Rav Meir feels, not that they could testify about each other, but Rav Meir feels that if co-wives test about each other and it's contradictory, we accept it. Meaning, we accept it to cancel them out. So Rav Meir disagrees. Rav Meir says, the Mishnah says, Achas is meis. One says that the husband died. Ba'achas is nerag. The other one says, I agree he died, but he didn't die, he was killed. So, both testimonies agree that he's dead, but it's conflicting how he died. So the halacha is, Both can't remarry. Why? Once the testimonies are not equaling up, once they cancel each other out. So by the way, Rameir disagrees with what we said in the, in the first line in the mission. Rameir disagrees. Rameir feels that co-wives' testimonies could be used against each other. To hurt each other. Now, what's interesting is, and the Gemara is going to ask, so why did Rameir have to pick up this new case of one said that he dead, one said that he's murdered, just say say the first case and just say Rameir disagrees. Like the first case was one said he died, one said he didn't die. Rameir should say, I disagree. I feel that if they disagree with each other, they cancel each other out. The Gemara will try to figure out why they have to specifically talk about this case. Okay. Then you have Rav Yehuda, Rav Shimon Oimrim, Hayal Vizu Vizu in Kaim Yenosu. Rav Yehuda says both of them, meaning Rav Yehuda and Rav Shimon, is the view of the Tanakhama. The Tanakhama is reviewed in Rav Shimon, and therefore, the Tanakhama's view was we isolate each uh, testimony on its own, and we don't, we don't use them against each other. Therefore, Rav Yudin Rav Shimon says like this, one person says that he died, one person says that he was murdered. So they both are basically saying that he's dead, each one can, each one can remarry. I, they don't agree with each other, Rav Yudin Rav Shimon are the view of the Tanakhama that we isolate each, uh, each testimony, and we don't use a co-wife's testimony against each other. Okay. One says that he died and one says that he didn't die. So we said yesterday, once one says that he dies, we accept it. Then it becomes two, and then two beats one. Go to the next page of the Mishnah. They cancel each other out. Now why does it cancel each other out? So Rashi explains this is talking about a case where one witness testifies that he died, one witness testifies that he didn't die, and they cancel each other out. But why? I thought once one witness says that he died, we accept it. That's it. So why did they cancel each other out? So Rashi says this is a case where they both testify before during the deliberation. 
Meaning yesterday's Mishnah had where one witness comes forward and says that he dies and, and psak. And a month later, someone comes forward, he didn't die. Uh, quiet. Over here, we accept the testimonies to cancel each other out. This is because both were given before the psak did. Okay, that's what Rashi says. Fine. Now, let's run through the Gemara. The Mishnah started off by saying that one, one co-wife says that he died, one co-wife said that he didn't die, so the one that he said he died can remarry. The one that said he didn't die cannot remarry. The Gemara deduces that implies that the only reason why the other co-wife cannot remarry is because she's saying that he didn't die. Let's say she's quiet. Right? What would the halacha be if one co-wife says that he died, the other co-wife is quiet? It sounds like from the Mishnah both can remarry. The problem is that's not true. We don't accept the testimony of a co-wife about each other. So if one witness, if one co-wife says that he died and the other one's quiet, it's the exact same thing as the other one saying that he didn't die. We don't accept. We isolate each one. So why does the mission have to say that the other co-wife said that he didn't die? Tell me a bigger chiddush. The other co-wife is quiet. Even if the other co-wife is quiet, she's not going to be able to remarry. Why? Because if she's remarrying, that means if she's remarrying based on the testimony of the co-wife, we don't accept it. So why does the mission have to say that she she argues with her. Forget about arguing. Even if she's quiet, it's a bigger chiddush. So the Gemara says, "Time with Amar Leimeisa Yishtek Tinasi Ha'In Sar Midul Chaverta." The answer is no. I'll tell you outside of the inside. The answer is no. Really, the truth is, if she's quiet, Shitaka doesn't remarry because we can't use the testimony of the co-wife against her. So what's the? Why does the Mishnah specifically speak out the case where the co-wife disagrees and says he's not dead? It's a very strange svar. The Gemara actually thinks that it could be. You should think like this. The Chiddush is, one Kohav says that he died, the other Kohav said he didn't die. The Gemara thinks that it's possible in such a case, you should actually accept both of them should be able to remarry. Why? Maybe this is what I would have thought if not for the mission. Why? Either Kohav said that he didn't die. The Gemara says, most likely, the Kohav knows that he died. And she's trying to mess up her Kohav by saying he didn't die. I, she's messing herself up. Thomas Nafshi and Plishtim. She's willing to go down. Thomas Nafshi, her Shimshin. Pulled down the okay. poles and he killed himself with the pollution. He says, I, as long as I'm taking them down, I'll, I'll go down with him. Uh, so it could be, meaning, if she really wanted to imply, if she really wanted, if she really believes that her husband's alive, right, the co-wife, one co-wife, you have Rachel and Leah. Rachel gets up and says the husband died. Leah, the Mishnah says, disagrees. Why do you have to disagree, even if he's quiet? The answer is, if she was quiet, of course she can't remarry. Because she can't marry based on the testimony of Rachel. The Chiddush is like this. If she actually believes her husband's dead, she'll just be quiet. Because that's all she... She doesn't have to testify. She could just stay quiet. It could be when she's saying the husband died, really that's her way of saying the husband... When she says the husband didn't die, really she believes the husband died. And why is she saying he didn't die? Because she's trying to drag her co-wife down. So you might think even when one co-wife says he didn't die, eh, both should be able to remarry. Kamash Mala, no. We take out what she says. It's a very strange havamina. Meaning, you might think that when one co-wife says he dies, one co-wife says the other dies, they both should be able to remarry. Aishi said that he didn't die, he's still alive, he's walking around, she's just trying to mess up her co-wife. That's what you might think. Meaning, Kamash well, yeah. you go with what she says. I, I, I don't know. I, don't, I mean, this is why we don't believe a co-wife. Exactly. I, I guess that's the point. The point is we just can't believe Exactly. But it's just a very interesting thing that there'll be a havamina that when she says the husband's alive... Uh, she could remarry. She, he's probably dead. She's just trying to mess her up. I mean, that's how far, like, it's like, it's the opposite. <laughs> we take the opposite of what she says. So the Gemara says, 
Even the one she says that he didn't die, he's really dead. And when she says that he's not dead, she's trying to mess up her co-wife. And she's dragging herself down with her. When she says that her husband's alive, we believe her that her husband's alive. Okay, fine. Now, just to understand the next part, just to review, the Mishnah started off by saying you have a case where one co-wife says died, one co-wife says didn't die. What's the halacha? The one that says died, remarries. The one that says didn't die, doesn't remarry. They don't cancel each other out because we don't accept the testimony of a co-wife about the other. Rameir disagrees. Because in the next case, which is one co-wife says that he died, one co-wife says that he was murdered, Rameir says they cancel each other out. So Rashi explains, Rameir disagrees with the Tanakhama. Okay, it's fair. Rameir believes that we accept the testimony of a co-wife to hurt each other. Understood. One, one says alive, one says doesn't alive. We, we were not sure, and therefore we just say, you're both, you're both staying married. I understand. The question is, if a marriage disagrees with the Tanakama, then why do you have to pick a different case? Just stay with this first case. And Rameir should say, He should just disagree in the first case. We have to bring a new case for him. That's the Gemara's question. So the Gemara says, Rav Lozer says, the truth is Rameir could have, so why didn't he? Because in the second case, Rav Meir and Rav Lozer and Rav Shimon clearly disagree. And therefore, we understand that the Tanakama is really Rav Lozer and Rav Shimon. Meaning, instead of just saying the first case and Rav Meir disagrees, you wouldn't know who the Tanakama is. So therefore, we have a Tanakama statement. Then we have a Machloikas, which was recorded between Rav Meir and Rav Lozer and Rav Shimon. And that way you know, oh, the Tanakama is Rav Lozer and Rav Shimon. Because if you didn't have the second case, you wouldn't know Rav Lazar Rav Shimon was the author of the Tanakhama. I guess Rav Lazar Rav Shimon um, recorded their statements against Rav Meir, and therefore if you didn't bring down Rav Meir's case and Rav Lazar Rav Shimon's case, you wouldn't know that they were the author. Okay. Yeah, you could have just also skipped the first case. Right, it's fair enough. Okay, fine. You want us to know there's a Tanakhama, and the Tanakhama is Rav Lazar Rav Shimon. Fine. Another answer, it's a very hard answer to understand, by the way. The Rishayim have a very difficult under, uh, ex- explanation. Understand this. What's our mayor shita? Our mayor shita is that we accept, we accept the testimony of a co-wife against each other to hurt each other. Meaning, once one says, once they're disagreeing with each other, we, they cancel each other out. In his case, that our mayor said was one says that he died, one says that he was murdered. They cancel each other out. The first case in the Mishnah, one says he died, one says he didn't die. Rameir seemingly disagrees with. The Tanakhama says we accept each testimony on its own. Rameir seemingly disagrees, but he didn't disagree on that case. So he said, why not? So the Gemara's second answer is, Hitaka agrees with that case. Meaning, Rameir believes the testimonies of a co-wife cancel each other out, but the first case, he's moida. The first case, where one says dead, one says not dead, Hitaka agrees in that case that we accept one and we don't accept the other. So he's moida. So the reason why he didn't comment on the first case is because he's talking agrees with the first case. Meaning, the first case of the mission of Achas Emeris Emeis, Achas Emeris Loimei, Zusha Emeris Emeis, Tinasif, Dizguvasa, Shemeloite, Loit Tinasif, Dizguvasa. That's not a machloikas or mayor. Rameir agrees to that. Now why? We'll figure that in a second. So the Gemara says, Really, Rav Meir generally disagrees, but. Rameir agrees that in the first case, in the first case where one says that he's dead and one says that he's alive, that we don't cancel each other out. Why? It's very hard to understand what the difference is. Meaning, 
basically, Rav Meir's case, which is one says, the rest of the, by the way, the rest of the daf is, is a lot easier once you get through this. One says that he's dead, one says that he's murdered, cancel each other out. One says that he's dead, one says he's alive, don't cancel each other out. That's what we're saying now. The Rav Meir's What's the difference between murder and oh. died? Well, died means died in his bed, meaning he, he wasn't killed. What is the difference practically? How? Just how he died. They both said that he's dead, it's just a matter of how. Once and Romero feels that once they're once they're disagreeing as to how it happened, they cancel each other out. We don't believe them. We don't believe their story. The story doesn't add up. Now, but Romero, so Romero argues in the case of one says that he's dead, one says he's murdered, they cancel each other out. One says that he's dead, one says that he's alive. Eh, we'll accept. Each one will accept. What's the shot? So some Rishonim want to try to explain like this. It's a very hard thing to understand in Lamdis, um, and that is when one says that he died and one says that he murdered. The one that's saying that she's murdered, she's testifying really to help the co-wife. Like she thinks from her perspective she's helping the co-wife because the co-wife said that he's dead. She agrees that he's dead. Now she may tweak about how he died, but she's trying to help the co-wife. Therefore, her testimony is about the co-wife and therefore it's canceled. But in the case where it's one says that he died, one says he's alive, it's not that she's trying to help, she's trying to hurt the co-wife. Because she's trying to hurt the co-wife, trying to disagree with the co-wife, we think that she has ulterior motives. It's hard to understand, to be honest. I'm not... 100% 100% sure what this far is. But basically, you have a machleikas between Rav Yechanan and um, Rav Lazar. You have machleikas Rav Yechanan and Rav Lazar. What Rav Meir, whether the first statement of the Mishnah is universally accepted or disputed by Rav Meir. Okay. So the Gemara will end this discussion. The Gemara says... Tanan, uh, the Brisa has this case where one witness, meaning one woman, says that he died, one woman says that he didn't die. They cancel each other out. Now, who is that like? That's like Rav Meir. And here's the problem. According to Rav Lazar, Rav Meir disagrees with the first case. So this statement is Rav Meir. But according to Rav Yechanan, Rav Meir agrees with the first case, meaning the first case in the Mishnah that says that they don't cancel each other out when one says that he's dead, one says that he's alive. Rav Meir doesn't, nobody, nobody disagrees with that. So this Braissa that has a disagreeing view, it's not authored by anybody. It's a little bit tricky, but basically, this Braissa says that if you have one person that's, one woman, one call says he's alive, one call says he's not alive, they cancel each other out. Now who is that like? Rav Meir. The problem is Rav Yechanan said that Rav Meir agrees in the first case in the Mishnah they don't cancel each other out. So he, who authored this Brisa? So the Gemara says like this: Bishlam and Rav Lazar stomach Rav Meir. The Rav Yechanan kasha, kasha. It's not a kasha. It doesn't work according to Rav Yechanan. Okay, this next Gemara very much easier. Most of the rest of the daf is not too bad. Okay, new concept. Ha'isha shaholcha hi ubailam dinisayam uba v'amramez baili. A woman and her husband go overseas. She comes back and says that her husband died, so she could remarry. Vetitel Kazuvas, and she takes a Ksuva. Uh, easy so far. Tsarasa Asura. Co wife is Asur because she can't testify about the co wife. Perfect. So far, so good. Here's the Shaila. If they were married to a Koyin, can the co wife continue eating Truma? Meaning, you have two co wives. You have Rachel and Leah. Rachel says that her husband died, so she could remarry. Leah is like, we don't accept the testimony of Rachel, so you're still married. Can she continue eating truma? Meaning, are we 100% confident that how her... Still married is she? How still married is she? Like, like, do we believe Rachel at all? Or do we say, like, from Leah's perspective, Rachel's testimony never happened? Or do we say, listen, we don't know, she might be lying to try to mess you up. 
So suffering the rice of the we can't allow you to remarry. But we're also not going to allow you to eat truma. I mean, that's the question. Like, when we say that the co-wife stays married, is she 100% staying married and she could eat truma? Or no, 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 we'll just be machmer and say that she's still married, but we, sh- we might believe the co-wife. Basically, do we believe the co-wife 100% is lying, or are we not sure? If we're not sure, then she can't continue eating truma, because her husband might be dead. And once her husband's dead, Abbasi Shol can no longer eat truma. So that's the question. H- how far are we going to allow this? So if Tarifin says, Tsarasa, Tarifin says, the co-wife can eat truma, meaning, don't believe the co-wife at all. Rachel's remarried. Leah does not believe Rachel at all. She's a married woman and continues eating truma, 100%. Status quo, nothing changed. Rav Akiva says, Rav Akiva says, that's not the derech. Rav Akiva says, you're telling me, think about this, you have two wives here. One is, is on J-swipe, she's dating again. The other one is still eating truma. Rav Akiva says, no. The other one is also to remarry, because we're not sure whether Rachel was lying, but she also can't eat truma, because she might not have been lying. Meaning, Rav Akiva says, you got to treat it as a suffix. So when a co-wife testifies, when we said that we don't accept the co-wife's testimony, Rav Akiva is saying, we're not sure whether we accept it. It's a suffix. Therefore, we're going to treat the co-wife every chumrah. She can't remarry. Suffolk, she's still married. She can't eat chuma. Suffolk, her husband's dead. And therefore, Rav Akiva goes with the suffix approach. Rav Tarfin is confident. Same exact thing, though. Instead of co-wives, daughter and mother-in-law, daughter-in-law. So the Gemara says, Amra meis baili v'achakach meis chami. A woman comes and says, my husband died and my father-in-law died. So what's the halacha? She could remarry, but her mother-in-law can't because she's, it's a daughter-in-law testifying about the mother-in-law. So, right, and the daughter-in-law cannot testify about the mother-in-law. I don't like, so, so, she, so we accept her testimony for herself, but she, doesn't, she can't testify we're in the, uh, right before the, uh, the Mishnah on Kuf Yud Chesam So the, co-wife, the mother-in-law can't remarry because that's a daughter-in-law testifying about the mother-in-law. Here's the kasha though. If the mother-in-law was married to a Kayin, can she continue eating truma? The exact same shaila. When we said, so we had the first shaila by a co-wife, that we said we don't accept the testimony of a co-wife. Is it that we don't accept it at all or we're not sure? Now the same thing over here. We don't accept the, co- the testimony of a daughter-in-law for the mother-in-law. Is it that we don't accept it at all or we're not sure? Meaning, can the mother-in-law continue eating truma if she was married to a Kayin? So if Tayyikh Bachuma Dirav Tarf, Tarf says yes, because Rav Tarfin believes that when the Mishnah said yesterday that we don't accept these testimonies, we don't accept it at all. We think they're a hundred percent lying. Rav Akiva says, that's not the derech to avoid doing averis. Rav Akiva says, No, it's a suffic. And therefore, because it's a suffic, she can't remarry, but she can't continue eating truma. So we have the exact same achlegas twice. One by a co-wife, where they argue about whether a co-wife, whether we believe a co-wife at all, and one by a daughter in the mother. So the Gemara's obvious question is, why do you need both? Tell me they argue once, and I'll be able to figure it out. So the Gemara says, Utsricha, Iyit merhaqqa ma'isa b'hokam rev tarifim shum ditzar degufa. Aval chamaisa ditzar mil da'almei mamaydi leila rev akiva. V'yit mar b'hokam rev akiva the Gemara says, you know what the Chiddush is? If all you had was the case of co-wives, I would say, what, what's Rav Tarif and Shita? Rav Tarif and Shita is that when a co-wife testifies about the other, we don't believe her at all. Not a suffix, at all. We think she is 100% lying. Not 90, not 80, 100% lying. Why do you need both? 
I'll tell you why. If you just had the co-wife case, I would say, out of all the women, right, all these five women we had yesterday, seven, whatever, all these seven women are motivated to lie because they have hostility towards each other. Out of the seven, who's the most likely to lie 100%? It's a co-wife. Because six out of seven are motivated based on money. They don't like the mother-in-law because she's eating the inheritance, doesn't like the blah, blah, blah. The only one that hates her is a co-wife because she's taking away her husband. It's not an, a monetary issue because if you're wealthy enough, you probably don't care. This is, he's stealing my husband. I don't like him. Exactly. It's called a co-wife. It's called a tsara. Therefore, says the Gemara, if all you had was the first case of co-wife, I would say that's when Rav Tarfin says she's 100% lying because she's trying to really dig it in. But a mother-in-law, daughter-in-law, maybe you should be chayshish. Maybe Rav Akiva would agree. Come on, that's why you have to speak it out. No, they argue by a co-wife and they argue by the other women as well. Now, so this says the Gemara, Amr of Yudam Shmuel, Halachik of Tarfin, the Halachik of Tarfin, that we don't accept the testimony whatsoever, not a Sophic, nothing. Amr Abaya Afan Onami Tinina, Abaya says, I have a Brysa that backs it up, that we don't accept their testimony at all, because the Brysa says, Nitinli Ben Bimedinas Ayam. Okay, we're going to have this in the next Amid, and that is, what if a woman leaves um, childless, comes back, and says, I had a child, and then he died? That type of discussion. So, she's believed. We'll talk about this in the next moment why this is. If she says that her husband died first and then her son, basically it was like this a woman leaves New York childless, comes back without a husband. When she left, should she, was she set up for Yibam upon the husband's death? Yes. She comes back and she testifies that she had a kid when she was away. Okay, possible. And her husband died first, and then her son died. You know what that means? No more yibum for her. That's very convenient. Like you left here pretty much set for yibum. You come back, you all of a sudden had a son in between, and your son died after your husband. Because if the son died before, there's still yibum. So if the husband died, then the son. So when the husband died, there's no, there's no yibum. That's pretty convenient. We don't really believe her because you're going, like her testimony is going against what her status quo was when she left. So if we don't believe her, she should do yibum. But we maybe believe her. So she does chalitza. Right? From her, she, when she left, she should do yibum. She comes back testifying, making up the story that she's, she's exempt entirely. So we're not sure. Maybe she is lying. Maybe she's not lying. And maybe she's lying because she hates the yavam. Right? Maybe she's, she made up the whole story because she doesn't want to do yibum. So because we're not sure... We're, we're not sure whether she's lying or not. So she does chalitza. What do you see? In that case, we're not sure whether she's lying. But in the previous cases with the seven women, we know they're lying. 100%. That's our tariff. So the Gemara says, Okay, go to the next page. You had over here a machloikis between Rav Akiva and Rav Tarfin. Basically, Rav Tarfin said, we're 100% confident that she's lying. And therefore she can continue eating truma. And Rebbe Kiva's like, no, Suffolk. Suffolk to rise, so you should be machmer. Let's Suffolk avoid. So this concept, if you have basically Rav Tarfin being confident, and Rebbe Kiva's like, let's just avoid Shilas. But the other one can go marry. Like that's the, you know, Suffolk to this one. The other one is free to go and marry. Correct. And there's no issue. Mom's here, nothing. Correct. Like, so it's, it's, it's like Suffolk, but we're confident. Yeah. It's interesting. But this is one of those strange Zachbechlal, the whole thing. But you have over here a Machlech Zinner, Vakivan, Rav Tarfin. Are we confident? 
Or are we just like, let's avoid the Shiloh. Let's avoid problems. This manifests itself in the following Mishnah, and it's not related to Yibam at all. It's a little bit of a reprieve for one Mishnah. The Mishnah says like this, Kiddush achas mechamesh noshim. It's a Yibam is a Jace. You mekadesh five women. Ve'en yedua eze kiddush. Right, so you gave a ring to one of them, and you don't remember which one. They all look the same. <laughs> and you don't remember which one. So what do you do? So you got to give a get to all five. Right. Fine, fair. Do you have to give a ksuba to all five? I mean, so kiddish, achas, emeres, oisi kiddish. Each one says that they were the one, obviously, by the way, because if the woman agrees, then it's avoid problems. So each... Yeah, but we said with the ksuba, it's kilu gavidami. So ksuba, it's, it's not my... So, so, so this is Rav Tarfin's take. Everyone agrees you give a get to each one. Meniach ksuba b'nei mistalik, did Rav Tarfin. Rav Tarfin says, put the money between all five of them. Let's say the ksuba is $100. Put $100 down and say, you guys figure it out. Bye. That's Rav Tarfin's take. Meaning, I don't have to do things to avoid shilas. I put the money down, you figure it out. What does Rav Akiva say? That's not the appropriate way. Actually, you have to give a ksuba to each one. Meaning, suffik daraisa, you got to be machmer. Suffik momin, you got to give the money to each one. Now, in this case, by the way, notice you did nothing wrong. You didn't do an avera, you're mekadesh a woman. Okay, remember that. Then the Mishnah says, You stole from one of, one of five people. You don't know who you stole from. Each one says, you stole from me. What's the halacha? Again, put the money down behind them, between them and say, you figure it out. You got to pay each one. Now, in this case, you, you didn't, you stole. So it's interesting that Rav Tarfin still says, you don't have to go above and beyond. Okay, so they argue, and this is very important, they argue by Kiddush and Gezel. Here's the problem. The problem is... There's a brisa that seems to say they argued not by Kiddush and Gezel, but either Bia and Gezel or Kiddush and Lokach. Basically, we're going to see that these two cases, no one says they argued in this scenario. Yeah. Right? We're, right now we're saying they argue by, by Kiddush, the Kiddushin, and they argue by stolen, by a stolen item. The problem is, that's not what the brisa says. The brisa Kiddush Ketani, Bali Ketani. Meaning, if let's say, let's say instead of Mikadash a woman, you are Mikadash by Bia, which by the way is Inisa Darabonim. That, says the Brisa, the implication of the Mishnah is that in such a scenario, you'd have to give money to all five. Everybody agrees to that. Why? Even if Tarifin would agree, if you're Mikadash Bia, which by the way is Inisa Darabonim, and it's a degrading thing to the woman, you're Mikadash with Bia, remember who it is. Such a Zach, even if Tarifin agrees, you have to give money to each five. So they only argue by Kiddush with money, not Kiddush with Bia. Okay, and gezel ketani lokach leketani, and they argue by gezel. Let's say you bought money, you bought an item from one of them. He didn't steal it. I made a deal to buy something, so I owe one of them money. In such a scenario, everyone agrees you could just put the money down and walk away. I mean, even if Akiva holds, you don't have to give to each one because you didn't do anything wrong. So the Mishnah says that they argue by kiddush and gezel. The problem is we're gonna have a brisa. And the price is not gonna, no one's gonna line up with that. So, like, if you have like a chart, it's Kiddush and Gezel. That's when they argue. Bia, everyone agrees. Lokach, everyone agrees. So Kiddush and Gezel is the argument. 
The problem is, it's not what the Bryce is going to say. The Bryce says like this. I look pale. Every day in Zoom, I look pale. It's crazy. Okay. The Gemara continues. Money Masnison. Who's the author of a Mishnah? It's Loitan Akamalay Rishim Nalazar. It's not like anybody. The Tanya. Rishim Nalazar, I'm a Loinachlugar of Tevin Veravakiva. I'll shake the Shachas Mechamish Noshim. But any days of Kiddish, I'm a Nixubin Amistalik. Rishim Nalazar says, if you were Makadish a woman with money, everyone agrees you could just put the money down and walk away. You don't have to give to each one. Boom, not like our Mishnah. <laughs> our Mishnah says they argue by Kiddish. He says, no, no, no. Kiddish, everyone agrees you don't have to give to each one because you didn't do anything wrong. When do they argue? By Bia. So, right off the bat, Rishim Dolazah says, not like our Mishnah, they argue not by Kiddush, but by Bia. Okay. But he agrees with the second half. Shimbalaza says, I think they argued by Bia and Gezel. The problem is our Mishnah says Kiddish and Gezel. So we're not like Rashimbalaza. Rashimbalaza is arguing on a Tanakama, which means the Tanakama felt if it's the Tanakama felt that it's Kiddish and Lokach. So we're looking for that like perfect, we're looking for Kiddish and Gezel. Tanakama feels it's Kiddish and Lokach, so he's out. Rishim Berlaza feels it's Bia and Gezel, so he's out. So no one, no one authored the Mishnah. No, it doesn't work. Because again, we, it could work with Rishim Berlaza. The problem is, our Mishnah says they argued by a case of Kiddish with money. He says they only argued by Bia. So you know the answer is? It's Rishim Berlaza, and when it says Kiddish in the Mishnah, it means Kiddish Bibia. It means you're Makadisha with Bia. Okay. So the Gemara says, Okay. So according to this, our Mishnah is talking about two cases. They argued by Kiddush of Bia, which is an Isidara Bonan, and then they argued by Gezel, which is an Isidara Isa. And the Gemara just speaks it out. And the reason why you need both cases is because one's an Issa Darabon and one's an Issa Daraisa, and you wouldn't be able to learn them out from each other. That even an Issa Darabon and Rav Akiva is super strict, and even Issa Daraisa, Rav Tarfin is super ma- a super megal. Right. And that lines up, you said the first case, you're just kidding, because the money, there's nothing, you didn't do anything wrong. Correct. So here, you did something wrong, so that's Correct. Exactly. Now, the, it's a, the mission's a little more consistent now. All right, last Mishnah. Okay. It's just a lot of cases. You just got to remember that we're trying to figure out what her status quo before she left was, and what does her testify tell us, her testimony tell us. So, Ha'isha Shaholcha Hi Ubailam Dinasayam. You have a woman who goes with her husband to, a, to an island, Ubnaimam, with a son. So, when she left, she had a son, no Yibam. She comes back, they're both dead. Now, what's the order? So, she says, a little harsh. She says, she says, husband died first, then the son. So still no yibam. So she left with no yibam, came back based on her testimony, no yibam. Amen, she's believed. Because her testimony is backing up what her status was before she left. But she testifies that her son died first, then her husband died, so she should do yibam. Then the halacha is, 
we don't believe her. Meaning, she left here as a status quo of no yibam. She comes back based on a testimony that says she should have yibam. We don't believe her fully. Why? Because we're afraid that maybe she loves the yavam and she's lying because she wants to marry her brother-in-law. But, on the other hand, she might be telling the truth. So, Chalitza. Okay, Chalitza. Another case. Nitinli ben Medina Sayyam. Opposite case. We just had this. A woman leaves childless. So she leaves, supposed to do Yibam. She claims overseas she had a son. And that son died. She says the son died first. So she, st- so she left waiting for Yibam. And now she comes back still with Yibam. So Nemena, she's believed. But if she testifies that her husband died and then her son died, meaning she had a son, so she left here, supposed to do Yibam. But then she says, while she was away, she had a son, and, and the son just died, but she, she's exempt from Yibam because she had a son, and the son died after the husband. So she's left here, supposed to do Yibam, she comes back saying, no Yibam, what's the halacha? The opposite. We, we sort of believe her, so don't believe her. Why? We're afraid that maybe she really is lying. She left here, supposed to do Yibam. Maybe she hates the oven. It's like the first case, maybe she loves the oven. Now she, maybe she hates the oven. And therefore, we're not sure. Maybe she's lying, maybe she's not lying. So she does chalitza again. Let's say she left here without a brother-in-law. Meaning she left here with her mother-in-law not having any children. The mother-in-law was with them. And she testified, so she went and left here, no yivam, because she had no brother-in-law. And she says, no, I had a brother-in-law while I was gone, but he died. So, in both cases, she's, she's believed, because both cases, she left without a brother-in-law, and she came back without a brother-in-law, it doesn't matter. I don't even understand why she's testifying that she had a brother-in-law in the interim. There's no brother-in-law left, so it doesn't really matter. Okay. So she left with her husband and her Yavama. Okay. She want the arts go because it's going to have some um, um, terminology in a little bit. Okay. Um, so she left with her with her husband and her yavam, her brother-in-law. Okay, so she left with her brother-in-law, so she was supposed to do yivam because the brother-in-law exists and she has no children. Omra She comes back and she says, my husband died first and then my yavam died. So I'm I'm allowed to remarry because my husband died, but so did my brother-in-law. So there's not, nothing for me to do. Yivami baili, or she says my yavam died and then my husband died. Ena she's not believed because she left in a state where she is supposed to do yibam. She's not believed to take her out of that. Like in both scenarios, whether the yom dies first, the ball dies first, the ball dies first, like either way. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what, because the Mishnah says, We only accept a woman's testimony to avoid agunas, to bet her husband. We don't believe it to say that her yavam died. That's what it is, yeah. But, right, but I know, but, but then she's kind of stuck. But she's stuck because yeah. there's no one else. Like, yeah, yeah, she's stuck. Yeah. She's stuck. She has to wait, I guess, for other witnesses to come forward. You're right, she's stuck, because she's not believed to say that her brother-in-law died. But her brother is not around. <laughs> So I guess they have to wait until someone proves that the husband, the brother-in-law is either dead or alive. Also, she's not believed to say that her sister died so that she can marry uh, the sister's husband, right? You can't marry two sisters as long as one sister is alive. Once the sister dies, you can marry the other sister, right? You marry Rachel, then she dies, you can marry Leah. Rachel can't testify, Leah can't testify that Rachel died 
so that she can marry the husband because that's we don't we're not leaning for such a testimony. A man is, is not believed to say that his brother died so that he could do Yibam. And a man is not believed to say that his wife died so that he could marry the sister. We never were lenient for an Eid Echot for such a scenario. Okay. So the first... Huh? Yeah. Now, the first two cases of the Mishnah, we basically have women testifying about whether she has to do Yibam or not. And the basic premise was the first case of the Mishnah, we don't believe her in both cases, we're not sure. Because the first case we think maybe she's lying because she hates her Yavam. The second case maybe, uh, the first case is maybe she's lying because she loves her Yavam. The second case is maybe she's lying because she hates her Yavam. So you know what you see from that? You see that uh, that not all women and not all men are the same and sometimes women love their Yavams and sometimes women don't love their Yavams. Depends on the people, which I think is pretty pretty obvious and pretty safe. The Gemara has a kasha. The rule is it's called which means I find, key, I find money on the floor. I could pick it up, have a mind to acquire it for you, even though you never sent me as a shliach, because it's all, it's all good. It's win-win. There's no negative. However, you can't buy a house for somebody. And not as a gift. I'm saying I can't, I can't make an akinion for you. I say, oh, hey, um, I, I made this kinyan for you. You now own this house. And you're like, is there a mortgage? Oh, yeah. Well, you can't do that. Why didn't you? You were complaining you didn't have a house. Yeah, but I, yeah, but I, I, I didn't. You know, you can't. Meaning you can't, you can't make yourself a shliach with someone without them appointing you a shliach if there's any negative component to it. Be- huh? Because because of this, you can't. Let's say there's a woman, she's overseas. You can't receive her get for her, even if you're her friend and you're like she would want to be divorced. No, no, no. You don't know, because there's negativity to being divorced. There are positivities, potentially, if you're in an unhappy marriage, but there's also negativity. And therefore, you can't do that. That's called that's, that's called Here's the Shiloh. Can you do this? Okay. Cases like this. The case is, a dying person who has no children wants to be mamana ashliach to accept a get for his wife. Meaning, what he's doing is he's trying to avoid his wife from having to do yibam. Right? He's going to die, he's got two days left to live. So his wife is going to have to do yibam. But he knows that his wife hates the yavam. So he goes over to his friend, he's like, here, accept the get for my wife so that she's divorced. No yibam when you're divorced. Do we accept that? Meaning, do we assume that a woman hates her yavam so that accepting the get is considered a positive for her, or no, maybe she likes the yavam. I mean, that's the question. Is accepting, the, is accepting a get in a case to avoid yibam considered a net positive, or is there negativity to there? So the answer is it depends on whether she likes the yavam or not. So do we have a rule? Do women like yavams or not? On a larger scale. We have a rule women like to be married. True, but do they like to have to marry their yavam, to be forced to marry their yavam? That, that's the question. Meaning, not, not, I don't think Stam, yes. In general, rules of women married than not. I know, but, I, I know, but, but still, but being for, but usually, yes, but usually, but this is, you're being forced to marry your brother-in-law, so which is complicated. So then get divorced from him, like, I know it's not up to her. But. So that, I mean, that's the question. The question is, do we have a status quo of, do we assume, is marrying, is getting out of um, doing Yibam a good thing for the wife or not? 
without asking her what she wants, can I just assume that she wants out? So I can just be the shliach for her get without asking her. So the Gemara says, meaning, do we say that we assume she hates the Yavam? Because standard relationship of a Yavam is unpleasant. So do we assume... No, the, 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 the people I know that have brother-in-laws are pretty chill. I'm not saying they'd want to marry them, but I, they don't hate them. I'm just trying to... Okay, the point is, do we assume that a woman hates her Yavam? And therefore, it's considered or do we say sometimes she likes the Yavam? It's a, it's a very interesting because the answer is, is 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 humans are complex, and the answer is yeah, yeah it depends. depends. And, and because it depends, you can't do it. You could only do it if you're hundred percent confident she hates the guy. As long as there's a chance. You can't do it. So that's the Gemara says, It says in the Mishnah, if you, if you follow the flow of the Mishnah, the first case is we think she hate, loves the Yavim. The second case, we think she hates the Yavim. What's the answer? Sometimes there's love, sometimes there's hate. It depends. And because it depends, you can't do it. Okay. Here's the Kasha though. This is what Adam was talking about. And that is, what if I know their marriage is rocky? I know she's, un- I know she's unhappy. Can I accept a get for her? Do we say, I know she's unhappy, so she wants out of this marriage? In this scenario, I know she wants out. Or do we say that she still might rather be married in an unhappy marriage than to be single? That's the kasha. And the Gemara says, The nature of women, not by men, but the nature of women is they would rather be married, even if it's not super happy, than the alternative. So therefore, you cannot accept a get for a woman because even if she's unhappy, you have to let her decide. You can't assume because it could be the happiness of being in the status of married outweighs the unhappiness of her situation. And because you're not sure, and by the way, it doesn't mean it's always like that, but because there's a 10% chance that that's how she feels, you can't do it. And the Gemara just ends off with um, uh, like certain statements that you used to have about why that, that, that women are basically just happy to be married even if it's not like happily married. By the way, by the, back then, I assume a lot of marriage is not happy. It's just my assumption, just times of the Gemara. Probably uh, all arranged marriages and all just died at 40. So I feel like they probably weren't super happy. But the Gemara lists uh, certain rules. A woman whose husband is short as a, as a bug. But she sits amongst the, amongst the married women. Meaning, even her husband is super unimpressive. And he's a little ant. She at least she she could say she's married now, so so she gets to she gets to hang out in the married table, so she's happy about it. Even though she, I mean, basically she's happy having that status, even if her husband is super unimpressive. Rav Papa Amar Gavra, they're all saying the same thing. Just Denafza Gavra, a woman whose husband he 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 does wool for a living. It's a very not, not a chosh of a job. Tikri b'seif above the We we call him and she sits with him, meaning. It's the same thing. She's she's happy to be with her husband, even if he's an unimpressive job, because yeah, she's married now. Ravashi Ahmed, the Kul Sagavra, a person who's uh, a man who has no yichus, um, he doesn't even have to ask for lentils. She'll make lentils for him. It's like a delicacy. Meaning, even if you have no yichus, 
she'll still make a chash of a roast for you because she's just happy. That she's happy to be happy. Happy you're you're, uh, you're breathing. That's that's basically Tana the cool. <laughs> I love this line. It's such a. It's like it's actually comedic. It's the comedy. So, so you're like, oh, she's just happy to be married. She's happy to be married because then she gets to wear a shade. Blah, blah, blah. The cool and Mizanis, what tells by She, all of them commit adultery and claim the children are from the husbands and they're not, though. So you should know <laughs> all of them commit adultery. So it's not super perfect, meaning they're happy to be called married and then they're going to cheat on the husbands. Hajanal Chayisha Shalom. Chayisha Shalom. That ends with that. Chayisha Shalom. That's fine. I, I, I love that. That's a good one. You're like, oh, 